We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Steven, great jump cut, 45 seconds, a whole burst to it, 20, steps to tackle, runs left, 25, still on his feet, 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, he's got a throw, the fake is on it, he's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, Tommy Avant, as we get ready to preview the Arizona Cardinals. Tommy, how you doing, bud? Man, has it been a wild week. Sleep, what is that? I almost forgot. Man, it doesn't exist for your life right now, but I'm glad you're here and glad you are able to talk a little bit with football with me for this Friday night edition of the show. And we're getting close. We're at 48 hours, less than 40 hours from game time. And we've got our preview. Ed Smith uh, from the Believe in Cardinals podcast he also has his own show as well. He's going to be with us here in a little bit to talk about the Cardinals and where they are as a franchise. He also had some interesting conversation points that Tommy and I are going to want to address. Before we do, what we want to do is actually get into Prize Picks because they are our sponsor. And by the way, if you want to, if you want to actually find a way to help support the podcast and you actually enjoy stuff like Prize Picks, it actually does help us out. Sign up with them, and magic will happen. I promise. It's not like unicorn magic, but it can be pretty close. All right, they are the largest independently owned daily fan sports platform in North America. They are by far. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you and the numbers. You're not battling on players. You're not facing up pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than a two to six player stat projection. And if you do it just right, you can watch the winnings just roll in. They are the most fun. I, Tommy, you've talked about it. I've heard Steve talk about it. I've heard Johnny talk about it. You can win 25% of your money this season. That's, that's pretty awesome. And you, again, test your skills against the odds makers and what they put out there. Simple play, quick withdrawals, and there are a couple on your board already, Tommy. Can you let us know which two you are you're picking right now? Oh, you want me to talk about some of the picks that I made for this week? Yeah. Um, let's see. All right. So I did I did one pick. It's all wide receivers. Six wide receivers. Um Jamar Chase. Um, 85.5 receiving yards. I went more. I actually went more on all of them. Uh, really? I went Cooper Cup, 80, 87.5. Puka Nakua, 71.5. Tyree Kill, 91.5. Keenan Allen, 74.5. And Mike Evans, 60.5. All overs. Those are all safe bets. Um, 
Yeah, 20 bucks will get you 500 if you hit on all six. Now, it's a flex play. So in a flex play, you don't have to get them all right. If you get four out of six, you'll get $8 out of your $20 back. If you get five out of six, you will get $40, so a $20 payout. So if you don't hit on all of them, you will get some money. So that's, you know, a great benefit or whatever. I Last week on one of them, I hit five out of six, so I got 40 back, was able to roll that into another another two. So you can use those to keep playing. So it's a lot of fun. It's not as easy as you think. Um, last week, I did a six. Um, and Patrick Mahomes, of all people, like we, you know, was the only one who let me down 20 to win 500 bucks, 10.5 more yards passing. And I would have got $500. And believe it or not, Patrick Mahomes was the one to let me down, unfortunately. Well, my fantasy football team in the Rams talk league right now is 0 and 5, thanks to Patrick Mahomes and the team's passing right now. It is so I bad. Have, I have a, I have a, a Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack. And they haven't quite nailed it yet this year. So then that's it. I've been close in every game. They were, you know, in two weeks now, I just needed one more play, basically, from Pat Mahomes, and I would have won both those games. And so it's Pat Mahomes is just killing me this year. But anyways, um, Prize Picks this offer. We, we promotions that lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. That's each Tuesday. Prize Picks selects. We can't talk today. Player predictions up to 25% for even more value. They even offer Apple Pay. For quick and easy deposits this season. So, bam, make sure you head over to prizepicks.com forward slash Rams Talk. Use the code Rams Talk for a first deposit match up to $100. One more time, go to prizepicks.com forward slash Rams Talk. Use the code Rams Talk for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's go ahead and bring Ed in, Tommy, and we'll hear what he's got to say. All right, folks, I have Ed Smith here. <laughs> I love talking with him. You believe in Carl's podcast. He also has his Saturday show. Sometimes I get to visit with him on Saturday to talk a little bit about Cardinals rounds on his side. And it's become a kind of, we were just joking about it just over email. It's kind of a tradition. Uh, we we get on each other's shows here and we talk some football. This year's no different. Although in the past couple of years, Ed, it's been a much different kind of conversation. You had we had teams that were in playoff contention or, and more, and right now we're talking about a Rams team that I have no idea what's going on with them. And we have a Cardinals team which is tough. They're toughing it out, but right now they're not a playoff contender. It's just a different kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one, first off, always great to talk to you, Derek. And, you know, we, we, you know, love being on your show. I'm no, I don't know if you know, we, um, we went national earlier this year. So we're going to have to have you on, man. We, 
got to that next level finally. So we're on uh, Sports Map Radio, 35 states, 98 markets across the country. So we'll get you on there soon. But um, yeah, these um, car, this, this matchup is kind of different. Um, two teams, and, and I actually, I like where you guys are at. I, I, I thought less of the Rams going into the season, just kind of thinking, you know, rebuild, that type of thing. You guys look competitive. And when I say competitive, we also look competitive, but you guys look competitive in terms of potentially, you know, getting to a wild card if everything rolls right. Whereas the Cardinals, our our ceiling isn't even, in my opinion, playoffs. We're a team that's total rebuild. Um, try not to, you know, embarrass ourselves. Up until last week, we had done a pretty good job of that. We just laid down against a, a much better Cincinnati team. And uh, this past week, but up up to that game last week, like I said, I felt like we were in each one. This last one uh, showed the talent gap for Cardinals and the rest of the NFL for me. Well, you also came up against a team that was ready to wake up, by the way. I mean, the Bengals had disappointed for the first quarter of the season, and they were due to pick it up. So it just happened to be when they faced, you know, the Cardinals faced the Bengals that that happened. Um. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned the competitive nature because we've been talking about the Rams now for, oh, you know, the first couple weeks of the season, we were we were stunned at how competitive they were. When you look on paper and you look at where that roster was after moving all these guys off, the Rams have right now about $75 million in dead cap space. So wow. for them to come in there this season and basically – when we talk about dead cap space, that means that's that salary cap space that's not being filled on your roster this year. You're not allowed to spend it. It's in somebody else's contract with another team. <laughs> yeah. So um, for them to be able to compete and a lot of their wounds are, you know, they have two losses, which I believe are self-inflicted losses. They didn't lose. I mean, the Bengals didn't beat them. They lost that game. Like they, mm-hmm. that was a game that they should have won. That was, that was uh, in my view, one of the worst called games in, the last 20 years for the Rams and that St. Lucas in the Jeff Fisher era. And then, you know, they followed this last weekend with the, with the Eagles in a game that they had their chances in and they just folded up and went straight past in the second half and they didn't have to Sam MO. And I guess the, the, I'm, I'm saying that to kind of wrap around back to you, what are you seeing about the competitive nature against this Cardinal team? Um, in that, where are they compared to where should they be? Cause actually the Rams considering how they played should probably be, Three and two, maybe even better right now. Yeah, no, I the Cardinals have actually shocked me, and and in saying that we are right now one and four, Derek, we could very easily be three and two ourselves. We started the season with a game against Washington, uh, figured out a way to lose that one. Then you follow that up with a you know you're twenty to nothing um, up on the Giants, and you let them come back and win the game twenty eight to thirty one. You know, you look at that one, um, no shame in going over to San Fran and taking our beating like a man a couple weeks ago. This past game against Cincy uh, showed, like I said, how big the talent gap is. So for this Cardinals team, you know, starting the season, and I told my radio partner Jay all the time, it's like, we're not going to know what this team is for the first month because you know how they do it now, Derek. Nobody plays in the preseason. We don't get a, you know, we're – we're so bad, we actually get rid of our only experienced quarterback in Colt McCoy, go get a guy off the heap um, and one Joshua Dobbs, bringing him in with a week and a half to go before the start of the season, you know, to claim him as our starting quarterback. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a total debacle. You got a quarterback with no experience, a rookie backing him up, rookie, head coach, and staff. And I was just looking for the train wreck. And so far, four out of the five games, We've actually, you know, we've shown that we can be out there on the same field, should have won, like I said, a couple of them. And then I even forgot to mention the surprise of all surprises. We just manhandled Dallas in a in a way that just blew my mind. So, you you know, that was who saw that coming. So it, it, it's a team, you know, after last week's loss, it's like they could be really, really bad moving forward or they could be that like that team in the first four weeks who snuck out a win against Dallas. You know, he played well in some of the other games. It's just, it's it's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde right now. I'm not sure, you know, we are a month into the season, quarter, 
past the quarter mark, and I'm still trying to figure this team out, especially after this past week against um, uh, the the Bengals. So, man, man, I, I just don't know. The Reggie, we're only a few weeks in. There's now everybody's doing the Kyler Murray watch, so we don't know where that's going to go. At the same time, like I said, we we could be in for a whole lot of up and down to finish this season. A lot more down than up, though, and that's the part that scares me a little bit. Well, tell us about the Kyler Murray watch. I mean, I mean the time is coming eventually where he'll be back in the field, right? Well, that's a good question because I think he was on the pup to start, so he's out for four weeks, man- mandatory. Then I think they have a window where they have to activate him, and I have to check the rules. What, like after they come off the pup, then if you you have to des- designate him for something, and I'm not sure what it is. I, it's a period where I think they have to activate him or he goes on to sell for either the rest of the year or something like that. And quite honestly, there a few weeks ago, like two weeks or so ago, it was, hey, you know, we're we're not activating Kyler. You know, he's weeks away. Does that mean two weeks, three weeks, or does that mean eight weeks, ten weeks? We don't know because they won't tell us. And I think the big mystery right now is what are they going to do with Kyler Murray? Meaning, if he gets to a point where he is healthy enough to play, but we're, like, say we're 1-10 in 10 or something like that, do you really want him out there on the field risking further injury, especially if there's a possibility that you might be moving on from him, you know, next year with, you know, high draft pick? We have a Houston pick as well, so we might have two very high draft picks. What are they going to do? Right now, they you know, they started the season by – Oh my God, Kyler's doing everything we need him to do. And, you know, he's not ready to play yet, but he is. We can tell he's a leader. But at the same time, all the reports are coming out that they've pretty much already made up their mind. So, you know, it's all guesswork right now. Nobody knows except for the people in the building. Um, I don't even know if Kyler knows where he exactly stands with the organization right now. It'll be really interesting to see what some of those final decisions are. You get to a point, you shut him down for the season, and then you know what they'll do, Derek. Well, we're shutting him down because the season is pretty much a wash, but you know we want him to have a fresh start next year. But that means he'll have to make it through the draft, um, through all the other speculation and everything. So I have no idea what's going on with Kyler Murray, and I don't think anybody, like I said, outside the building does at this point. I'm a little confused here because you know, and well, hold on, I'm I'm confused, but I'm not because we've had our conversations in the past. We've had the Kyler Murray conversation, so I'm. I guess I'm a little bit thrown off by the whole idea that there's, I mean, you're kind of implying there's some underlying issues still there from all the drama from last year and year prior. That's what I'm picking up from you. Am I you, accurate in what I'm picking up or? You're, you're accurate. And you know why, Derek? Because this uh, regime, GM, head coach, they did not draft Kyler Murray. They have no, absolutely no allegiance to him, meaning they have. You know, they have plans moving forward, the type of players they want. The, you know, and that, that's at every position. Just because you inherit Kyler Murray doesn't mean he's the perfect fit for your offense moving forward. You know, Petsing, we're seeing him. He's got uh, Joshua Dobbs, who's a bigger quarterback. He's under center more. Uh, that's something we've always had a gripe about out here. Maybe they want a quarterback that is going to enjoy and loves playing under center more. Kyler Murray hates it. 95 to 97% of his snaps are out of shock, and he does not like being under center. We know that. So maybe Kyler Murray doesn't fit their plan. And that, you know, organizations make bad moves sometimes. Well, just because a guy is there, we got to stick with him. We know what they gave him. Let me say, I say they, they gave him the money, meaning Kingsbury and Kime, not Gannon and Austin Ford. So with that being said, they don't have an allegiance to him. They have an allegiance to their plan moving forward. And if he doesn't fit their plan, I guarantee you they're going to try to figure out a way to get from underneath both that contract and the player. So it, it doesn't, you know, like I said, if we were still rolling with Kime and Kingsbury here, you would hear me speaking entirely differently because they are the ones who, you know, obviously drafted him. They brought him here. He's supposed to be this genius or this great player underneath Kingsbury. So they would still be trying to fit the round uh, peg into the square hole, square peg into the round hole, however you want to do it, because they drafted him because he was 
a product of them. They don't want to look stupid. And, you know, so like I said, with Austin Fort and Gannon and Petzing being the offensive quarter, and if he doesn't fit there, uh, their MO, then I would expect them to move off of him. So looking at this, looking at this front office overall and, and the coaching staff, you know, when we, in our past conversations, when we've been previewing, you know, twice a year, basically, you know, Rams, Cardinals matchups, you've expressed some, you expressed some doubt in the previous regime and where they were going, what they were doing. Uh, what's your feel for the new regime what they're, and what they're trying to do out in Arizona? I actually am very impressed so far because of the fact, Derek, that we've been in some of these games during the off season. I was, I was shaking my head. Like, what are they doing? They didn't re-sign any of the you know players that you thought they might have kept around just as a, a a foundation, a base. You know, we got rid of some players that you know fringe players, but every team needs those guys. And then you build your different levels, your elite players and rookies and stuff like that around them. We did not re-sign anybody. Then we go out and the free agents we did sign. It was guys that you never heard of, one and two year contract. So they basically stripped their entire roster down. Obviously, we have the draft to supplement, so we got a bunch of young players in. Then you get closer to training camp, and we're still trying to figure, well, they're probably going to roll with Colt McCoy because he's an experienced quarterback, at least keep him around so we can, you know, they ship him off. And then it was like, holy cow, they have taken this roster and just stripped it down to the bone. So that was my fear. But then you watch how they're playing, and for me, it shows that they have somewhat a plan because if it was – like if the first five weeks, Derek, were we just got so just rolled every week, I'd be like, well, what do you expect? The fact that we've stayed in some of these games means that they're at least preaching to some of these players, this is our philosophy, this is what we're going to do, and what's what we're trying to do around here. And we also heard during training camp that there were there was like a new culture being built. I hate using that C word, not really do, because everybody overuses it. But they were new rules in place, no eating in the you know meeting rooms. You know if you're on time, you're late. Um, if your cell phone goes, there's all these crazy fines if you got caught doing this. So, whereas Kingsbury, you know, the ship was being run real loose. Um, he actually, at one point, <laughs> Jay joked about this. He actually came out and talked about, well, you know, we got to give our players like basically like a social media break because, you know, they need that release during the day. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? So that's what we were rolling out of. And when you look at how Austin Ford has started designing the roster. They, it looks like they have a plan because, like I said, they, I, I equate it to, say you have a house, Derek. You got two choices. It's in shambles, but you can remodel it room by room and see where you get. You know, we're going to do the bathroom first, and then we'll think about the kitchen next year. And then at some point, hopefully, we're getting to the living room and then the backyard, you know. Or you can strip that thing down to the bone. We watch all these shows where they do the you know the home remodeling take that thing down to the studs and now the family might not even be able to live there because we don't even have working you know Uh, toiletries in this house but we've stripped it down and we're going to rebuild this thing and then when you're all done you got a brand new house and i think that's the philosophy they've taken they were like instead of just taking this thing and getting rid of a couple players here a couple there we're going to look silly possibly but we're going to like go down to the bare minimum and then we're going to start building this thing back up. But in the meantime, we're going to start setting the tone for how we want players to react and act in this building. And on the field, we want to see everybody flying. So I'm actually, even at one in four, I'm actually, I'm thinking, you know what? It it sounds funny, but I think they're heading in the right direction and doing the, the right way compared to what we've seen around here for the last, you know, five years with Kime and Kingsbury, man. It's interesting you talking about that because when I'm look when I'm evaluating the Rams right now, I see a lot of the same things. I don't think it's a total stud rebuild because they kept a few guys who, in, uh, you mm-hmm. know, when you're trying to clear cap space, you're, you would keep instead of, you know, they, they gave Matt Stafford a, whole, a new contract extension. Uh, but I think they tore it down a lot of ways. You know, that, that they're paying the, they're in dead cap hell this year. and with an eye on 2025. And so they bring a bunch of young guys in. They, they drafted very well. They, they did a lot of weird things in the draft in the last couple of years. This year, they drafted for need and got some great guys out of it and the guys that are working right away. And, you know, I think it's not a stud. You know, I don't think it's, I think it's kind of like a, 
room by room remodel. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. <laughs> instead of a full re like they're remodeling this, remodeling this, and then eventually, you know, they'll remodel a quarterback and, <laughs> and so on and so I think that's what they're doing. It, it, similar approaches, but not quite the same. And I think it's also working. We're seeing a lot of the same kind of effort. We're seeing, you know, a lot of the same, some toughness. We're seeing a new philosophy coming out of the same coaching staff, quite frankly, in terms of, but, you know, it makes for a very interesting game this weekend. That's where it takes us because you have two teams who are, who I, I don't care anybody says the Rams are two and three, much more competitive, but to me, it's still a rebuild. And people can get mm-hmm. mad at me for saying I'm I know they want, but I mean, when you, when you ship off 75 million in dead cap money and you, you strip down talent after talent away from your roster and bring in a bunch of young guys, that's by definition a rebuild. So, yeah. um, how do you view this matchup taking place in LA this week? And how do you, how do you, you know, Cardinals offense versus Rams defense, Cardinals defenses versus Ram off, Rams offense? How do you see this matchup playing out? I was much more confident before going into the Cincy game. And I'll tell you how confident I was. You know, we do our analysis each week and then we have to pick the game. And even after a loss over in San Fran the previous week, I was like, you know what? And, and especially the way that the, uh, the, Bengals were playing. I was like, you know what? I think the Cardinals can actually get this one. And then, like you said earlier in the show, Cincinnati came over here and did stuff they haven't done all year. Looked like the team that we thought they were going to be all year. And you could see the talent gap and coaching gap. Not just the talent gap, but coaching gap as well. They came over here and exposed us for how, you know, even after that loss against San Fran, that was obvious. But then we thought we were going to be evenly matched against the Bengals team. And I was like, oh, no, there it goes. That, that, that showed me that, you know, I was even starting to, to drink a little bit of the Kool-Aid. Now, that's not saying that we don't have an ability week to week to shock teams. And this is probably one on the board that McVay and, and your staff is like, wait a minute, hold up. We've seen what they've done. They whooped Dallas. They've been in some of these games. We have to go out there and take their heart away right away. Don't let them think they can stay in this game. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have the talent to do to us what Cincy did and what San Fran did, but, man, let's let's look at it. Offensively, we're down Connor this week. He was our bell cow as far as running game. One of the things we've been doing, we've been staying with the running game, something I've always said out here, we tend to bail on it too quick. We are actually have been running the ball. Even with uh, Dobbs, we've been getting him involved as well. Been very conservative with the pass game. We don't have a great wide receiver group, a uh, bunch of no-name guys. Mar- when Marquise Brown is your uh, number one receiver, you got problems. So, you know, and then you got a quarterback who's really trying to figure it out. And they, I can guarantee you, Derek, they've been in Dobbs' ear the whole season. Look, Josh, you just can't turn the ball over. If it's not there, if it doesn't look like there, check it down. And that he's become the check down dude, you know, even when we've been hiding behind in some of these games, it's almost like he's scared to throw the ball to the field because they've talked to him so much about protecting the ball, which is a good thing. And it's also a bad thing. So without Connor, with your off defensive front, we've got a load on our lap this week in terms of trying to establish a run, keep Donald or keep Aaron off of us in the middle of that defense. It could be, I mean, you guys, now let me, I'll tell you this. I went out and picked up your defense in one of my fantasy football leagues because I'm like, yeah, this could be the week that they wreak havoc. And that's probably what's going to happen in the middle of that offensive line has been doing a decent job as far as the Cardinals are concerned. But this might be a true test. What you guys did against Cincinnati, man, that was magical. I don't know how you guys lost that game, as you mentioned. So if you guys can get at us, oh, keep us from running. Yeah, keep <laughs> us from running the ba- Ball, we're in a whole lot of trouble. And then, def- you know, your defensively, we don't we don't have the the dudes up front to pressure um, Stafford, like get him off his mark. I don't think on a consistent basis. If you guys can come in and run the ball at all, and then with the addition of Cooper and Puka, you know, running around wild out there, there could be some big plays in the secondary to be had. And my fear is once you, if you guys get up on us early, then it's hard for us to climb back in some of these games. And that's the formula. If you can get up on top of us, you know, where we can't run the ball and chew clock and be very conservative, 
we've had a couple games, Derek, where we've had 40-some-odd plays in the game. And you talk about in today's NFL, the average has to be up 65, 70 plays per game, somewhere around there. Yeah. We've had several. Yeah, we've had two games, at least two, maybe three, where our total plays in the game was somewhere around 45, not even hitting 50. So that shows you what we're about. We're about trying to get the ball, trying to keep it away from you. If we can't, you guys will get it. Do everything you want to do. Make things really tough on us. Or if we do get a lead, we get so conservative and let teams back in the game to beat us, a la Washington and the Giants game as well. Well, one thing the Rams have done when they've been doing things the right way, they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. You know, but when they are are doing things the way that they really should do, given their personnel, they are controlling the football. They are running running football. They're committing. They're they're around half and half in ter- between the run and pass, and they've been getting around seventy five, eighty plays. Mm-hmm. So you know they did it with Seattle. They did that too. Um, to Seattle, they did it to Indianapolis in that game. And, you know, but Philly came around and flipped the script on them and basically played Ram football mm-hmm. against them and ran the football. You know, it's just that that is the that is the way the Rams have been playing. And, and the Eagles made sure that they couldn't do that. The way, to me, the way the Cardinals beat the Rams is playing a similar style game to what the Eagles played where they control the line. The, the Rams mm. could not do anything against that Eagles offensive line. The, the real, you're talking about the pass rush. Well, the only guy the Rams have right now who's really making any kind of impact rushing the passer consistently is Aaron Donald, which is why they're triple, mm. quadruple teaming like usual. But yeah. in the past, it was always somebody else on the edge to kind of provide some pressure. This year, there is nobody. And... So I, I'm not. I wouldn't be so worried about Josh Dobbs. One thing the Rams do well, though, is they will find a way to keep Josh Dobbs off the field. And if they if they do that, they're going to win the football game. If they can keep the Cardinals' offense off the field at 20, 22 minutes, just like they've done in their other two wins, then the Rams win this game. I totally agree with you, and I, I, our our approach has been so conservative that it. it it befuddles me a little bit, and this I'm hoping Derek and if they if the Cardinals can do this, they'll shock me and they might shock you guys. I've been thinking all along, Cardinals, what do you have to lose, right? If, if this everybody knows you're not going to the playoffs, this team's roster is you know what it is. I would be one of those teams that you would have no idea what I would do game from game. I would have every trick play in the book up our sleeve, every fake punt that you could imagine. Have some fun out there. Obviously not doing anything. You know, we're not stupid, but, you know, we've been so conservative. It's been so frustrating. And I'm waiting for, and part of it is because you got rookie head coach and everybody around him so young and nobody wants to be that guy, including the head coach that messes up. Like, you know, the Staley over there in, uh, in, in LA, you know, it's like, you can't, that dude is so crazy. But, you know, I'm waiting for this team to just open it up a little bit. Maybe this is the week we do it. I doubt it. We'll probably come with the same sort of game plan. Probably fall right into your hands, meaning the Rams' hands, and fall behind, and then it's just a game we can't win. We're not a team that's going to come from behind. The one we when we had, obviously, Dallas, we jumped on top of them, and they were so confused. It was unbelievable, and, you know, everything just worked out. But that's not the game. I'm, I'm not expecting that type of game from the Rams. And it's probably going to be one of those ones that uh, I'll pick high with the uh, confidence points in your favor. Well, I mean, here's my question for you. You know, how well has, say, Zach Ertz been playing this year? Well, when you're playing with a backup quarterback, you know, tight ends, receivers, all your stats are going to be down. You would think that Ertz would be his biggest and best friend right now. And I was actually, that's another, you know, I was looking around waiver wire today. Zach Ertz had a, a two yard, a two reception game last week. He didn't get in the end zone. So they, you know, they are, they are looking for him in the red zone. But as far as like tight end quarterback favorite, you know, outlet and biggest and best friend, it just hasn't materialized that. And a lot of that is because Josh is, like I say, he's learning on the fly here, not just the offense, but, you know, just being a starting quarterback in this league, 
it takes a little bit of time, man. And so everybody's going to suffer as far as those those stats. And Ertz has definitely not been utilized to the full of his, full of his, fullest of his capabilities. There's always the, the, the opportunity, but I just it just hasn't materialized yet. We have a couple of – McBride, I think, is our young tight end second-year guy. None of them have really gotten off yet. And like I said, a lot of that is just because of the nature of this offense with a backup quarterback, everything stacked against you. Uh, it's going to be a long season of, you know, not necessarily great stats for anybody across the board. Well, the reason I asked about Zert, about Ertz is because I, I feel like the Eagles really have exposed a weakness in that Rams defense, and that was the tight end position. They they could not cover for the life of them Dallas Goddard, in, yeah. despite the fact Dallas Goddard hadn't done jack in any of his previous games. And I remember how effective Zach Ertz can be when given his opportunities. And so I was kind of wondering what the what the Cardinals were doing with him in their offense this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if those are refocused on him just because of how poorly the Rams played against Goddard in this previous game. And you're and that's right. why I was asking yeah. about it. It could be and it could be a really big game for, for Ertz and the tight end group altogether, especially like you said, after coming off a week where we you saw how Philly took advantage of the, the difference in that. Is Philly's got so many weapons. The tight end is just another one in the, you know, in the repertoire. You know, they got all that stuff. AJ Green or AJ um on the outside with Devontae, and and then you got the running backs, and and then you got Earth. I'm not not Earth, but Goddard, like you said. So they've got all those weapons. They chose to use one of those weapons in the repertoire. We just don't. We're not with with our rookie quarterback. You know, it's a young quarterback and offensive line that's in shambles and. We just don't – I don't think we have that capability. We might come out and try to do it. I don't think we can execute it, though, meaning do the same thing to you that the uh, Eagles did. Yeah, I mean, obviously the personnel is different, but yeah. there was an exposure of a weakness there. I mean, the Rams could not cover the life of them. They had Michael Hecht, who is supposed to be their edge rusher, who really hasn't done much of anything. They had him covering, they had him covering Goddard. That was, <laughs> that was an absolute train wreck. So, you know, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm very curious overall how that's going to work. Okay, I'm glad well, you brought that up because I'm going to keep my eye on that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, willing, I'm very curious how that's going to work. So do you, do you care by chance to uh, shoot your shot in this game? And oh, yeah I'm, always, yeah, I'm always up for that, man. I, you know, going over initially, I thought, wow, you know, we're going over there to L.A. And, you, and I'd have, I have to ask you one quick question. How do you feel every time you watch a Rams, I guess even a Chargers game, but Rams out because that's obviously your team. When you look at the stadium takeover, how does that make you feel? Because we we go through it here as well. We we could, I don't care who we're playing, we are out fanned. How does that make you feel as for a team that has been so successful? I can see why Cardinals fans might be outnumbered sometimes because we just hasn't been haven't been good. But how do you how does that make you feel, man? I think it bothers me more knowing how Ram Rams fans themselves who are not in the LA area act online about it. You know, when they're talking about how those those horrible fans and are, you know, they embarrass me, the one so forth. And I think the national media, I think, is really crappy about it too. They'll they'll highlight the fans in LA fifty times over. And we saw Detroit Lions fans take over Lambeau Field just two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so here's the reality for people who don't understand. Maybe um, maybe next time you have me on over in your show, I can explain some of this. It is, let me ask this question. Because it's kind of an unsaid thing and no one talks about it. Because maybe you could riddle me this, Batman. And that is, how many seats do ticket exchanges own in SoFi Stadium? That's a good question. Huh. I would have no idea, but that's a great question. We don't know either, but we can tell you this. We see a lot of those tickets. We see a lot of those tickets mysteriously appear on, on websites and they get sold for ridiculously high prices. And who's going to buy them? Visiting fans. Because this might be their one shot to go see their team play. Okay, on you know, people don't talk about that. Here's the reality with the Rams. The Rams and the Chargers, for that matter, have priced out their fans in that stadium. 
By the time you pay no. out, by the time you pay out um, your PSL fee, you know, fees, you know, and then you got to pay for the, your tickets themselves to go along with it. You're talking thousands of dollars yeah. in a crappy economy with horrible driving. And a lot of people don't understand the culture of the Rams fan in that area. And, it, and I didn't really understand for either my, my partner in crime, Tommy, he's the one who really kind of laid it out for me. And it works, okay. it works like this, you know, for 20 some years, these fans in LA who remain fans and many did, you don't realize that many did. What they did was they grew used to going off and meeting with their booster clubs in a sports bar in town where they didn't have to fight LA traffic. They didn't have to fight, you know, all the problems that, that come with being in Southern California and you're not paying a gajillion amount of dollars for seats. So the team comes back and everybody's happy they're back. Don't get me wrong. But when you're paying $1,000 for those seats and you can make, basically, if you sell just two of your games off, mm, yeah, you can make all the money you need to pay for your PSLs the next year. And then you can sell two more games off and you can pay for all of your seat, your actual tickets for the next year. If you can do that, wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I, yes, I would. Maybe that explains why we got we get takeover out here all the time in Arizona. But I think that makes even more sense on your end. I think our fan base is, tends to be a little more wishy-washy. You know, but yeah, I could, that makes sense on your end, though. I mean, we, think about it, because these fans can easily just go right back to the sports bar with their buddies and watch the game because they've been doing it for 25-odd years. Now, the other side of it, too, in L.A. is you have a ton of transient fans, and when the Rams left and when the Raiders left, you definitely saw some fans say, screw these guys, we're picking up new teams. And it's going to take a long time for the Rams and Chargers to fully entrench themselves there. It's, it's, it's never going to be easy. You were gone for 20-plus years. Yeah, you won a Super Bowl, so on and so forth. And you're going to get the young fans, but it's really the, the middle group of fans. that Those fans who are 25, 30 years old who grew up with different teams, that generation is going through now. And that's the generation that you're not going to win back. They're already committed to their teams. You're not, your goal now is to go after the younger fans and make them into Rams fans. And with that, you will see that change over time. And as you're also getting some of those 23, 24-year-old fans to buy in, and then when they have kids, they grow up as Rams fans. So it's, it's building a new generation. And a lot of people are so quick to hammer these Rams fans out there, but they forget all those factors. But I wrap back around, Ed, and I go back to that very single thing, and that is how many tickets are, did, are these ticket exchanges buying up away from so that Rams fans can't buy them? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, man. I know it's got to be frustrating too because you have you do have a good product. But one of my buttons, just real quick, my one of my buddies, yeah, you know, I'm from the Jersey area, Philly fans, and I know a bunch of my friends who made the trip out to SoFi for last week's game. And one of my good friends, Eli, we graduated high school together, known each other since we were kids. He, you know, put out all the videos and with the the, the Eagles fans tailgating and that. I was like, damn, that looks like a game over at the link over in Philly. But like I said, it's it's frustrating. Um, but like I said, I think that makes a lot of sense how you wrap that one out, though. That's, that's that makes oh, a little more sense to me. You just brought some tailgating. Ed, it's I, people listeners correct me, but last time I was there, it was like eighty bucks to tailgate. Is that right? Oh my God. Like I mean, it is just a- ridiculous. <laughs> we uh, we my buddy Tom, Tommy and I parked like down the road and walked to the tailgate where the rest of the fans were for for Rams Empire. Yeah. Shout out to Rams Empire. So you know I when I when you when you think about that that is in itself so problematic in how uh, games are working out down there. And I don't see it really changing. Mm. I, I don't. It's not not for a while. Yeah. Especially in a bad economy. In a bad economy, you know, in a state that taxes the ever-living crap out of their people in California, oh, you, yeah. you are, you, you, and you have a million things to do and a million choices to make. You know, it, I don't blame any Rams fans for selling seats to ensure they can pay for their seats in the future. I do get frustrated with Rams fans who sell to opposing fans. 
Yeah. Or, you know, mm-hmm. either through putting them up on a ticket exchange where anybody can buy them or act, just sell them outright to, to opposing fans. I have a problem with that, but that's going to happen when you're trying to make money. Well, I don't think you're going to get an influx of Cardinals. I think you guys might. This will be one of the games where you outnumber the opposing team, team fans. So uh, be confident in that. Um, so as far as the game goes, man, I, I don't think we have the horsepower, especially with you guys getting Cooper cut back to win this game. I do think we make it competitive, though, even if it's a late score where you guys beat us, you know, like 27, 20, something like that. But I see the Rams, you know, taking control of this game early, especially uh, McVeigh. He used to have Kingsbury's number. We'll see how he matches up against um, Gannon and his crew. I think that'll, you know, this is like the new start of, uh, you know, regime against regime. And this is new for, uh, you know, McVeigh matching up against Gannon and them. I think you'll be able to take advantage of a little bit of their inexperience. And you do, the Rams do come out with a victory here. My final prediction of the score is 27-20, but I don't, I think that score makes it feel like it's closer than the game actually will, you know, will feel. I think you guys will have control of it for the most part. We make it close, but not close at the same time, if that makes any sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. Well, can you let people know where they can find your work? You're always great to have on the show, man. We're glad hey, Matt, and we are going to have you on the national one, too. So we do the Believe in the Cardinals podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. You can also go to the Believe platform, and that's B-L-E-A-V, Believe in Cardinals. That's Ed and Jay. Uh, the NAS, we do uh, podcast work as well. Three days a week, we do the Easy Sports Talk podcast. You can go to, uh, let me see, go to, what's the, I got so many pages, man. Go to the Easy Sports Talk Show Facebook page. That'll do it, or easysportstalk.com where you can get all the podcasts, the everything, um, uh, radio show. Radio show is now national. It's on the Sports Map radio platform, 35 states, 98 affiliates across the country. Go to sportsmap.com to download the app or find out where we are in your city. And love to have you. We're going to have you on the show soon. Huh? I appreciate it. All right, folks. There you go. There's Ed Smith. Thanks again. All right, so he's he's calling for a Rams win. He believes the Rams are going to win this game. He believes that it's will it'll be fairly close, but it's not going to be. It's not really uh, the Cardinals' weekend. Really, he's he's not worried about. He's not worried about travel from the Arizona faithful. He's not. You know, he just feels like this is the Rams' game to lose. How are you feeling about Tommy? Well, let's let's talk about that point about the Arizona faithful or whatever the case may be. This is the one home game that the Rams have every year that you can guarantee that the stadium will be 90 to 95% Ram fans. For one, the Cardinals fans do not travel well. They don't have a lot of fans outside of, you know, Arizona. So they're, uh, they're one of those really geographical teams, if that makes sense. They don't have this, you know, historical bandwagon fan base all over the nation because of, you know, all these Super Bowl trophies and whatnot, like the Steelers and Packers and Niners and Cowboys and all these teams do. Um, They don't have that. They're a very regional team and their fan base does not travel well. Even in the playoff game on Monday Night Football during the Rams Super Bowl uh, run two seasons ago, there was hardly any Cardinal fans in the stadium when we played them and that was a playoff game. So, and it's not like it's a, it's far, it's, you know, it's a five and a half hour drive. It's a 41 minute flight. So yeah, we're good on that front. The Ram fans are always happy for this game because living here in Los Angeles, having extracurricular, a lot what a lot of people don't know about Los Angeles that are not from here. Cause I'm born and raised 45 years. I've never, lived anywhere else, okay? And what people got to understand that aren't from here is it's insanely more expensive to live here than most of the country, okay? Houses are a million dollars in really bad neighborhoods. 
Um, it, it's unreal to even fathom that, that they, you know, 700 to a million dollars for a, a house where you can get shot at by a drive in a drive-by is unreal to, but people don't know that a lot of people, when I was in St. Louis tailgating for the last Sunday home game, before they moved back to LA, I was asking the guys that were from St. Louis to tell you, what do you think of LA? Cause you guys have never been there right No, We've never been there. What do you think of LA? When, when I say Los Angeles, what do you think of? And they they said NWA, like the rap group from the 80s. I'm like, <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, this is my point, guys. If you've never been here or understand the landscape, don't talk about it. Come here and find out. Do some homework. It, my, my point in saying all this is it's, it's SoFi was a cash cow and a cash grab. Okay. Put two teams in there. and charge insane amounts for SSLs. I think the lower bowl has a hundred thousand dollars. Some of the seats are a hundred grand for the right to own one chair. And then you have to sign a contract for 50 years. I said that 50 years to buy season tickets on top of that seat. So if you buy four seats, that's almost a half a million dollars. Plus you have to buy those seats every single year for 50 years. The SSLs, it's in, at the Edward Jones Dome. I think the top was like forty five hundred bucks, and we're talking a hundred grand for Los Angeles. Okay, you guys got to understand this is that's why you're seeing teams take over the stadium because what happens is is all of these ticket brokers that have millions of dollars bought up all the seat licenses in the one hundred section, in the a lot in the two hundred section. They bought them all up. I would, if I was a, a betting man, I would say that re- actual Ram fans own thirty percent of the stadium seats. That's it. The rest are owned by corporations that comp their vendors. You know how all that works in business. And then you have the the, the stub hubs and the ticket masters of the world who own those, and they they put them out there, and the highest bidder wins. And Ram fans here in Los Angeles are very frugal. Because most of the fans that uh, most sports fans in LA are blue collar, just like you guys in the Midwest. Okay, we are no different. The only difference is is our cost of living is way higher, and people are you know will will try to come back to me you know from the Midwest and say, but we make less money. Fair, but not that much less. Where your house was one hundred and eighty grand or two hundred grand or three hundred grand, and you're making seventy thousand dollars a year. Or we're over here making 120, but our houses are a million dollars. That's not um, the same. Yeah, my aunt's okay. house. My aunt it's has basically a two-bedroom uh, townhouse, pretty much what we would call it here, and it runs well over a million dollars. Yeah, it's I nuts. Mean, it's it's bananas how much it costs to live in California. For, I mean, much less. I mean, you can in Ohio where we are here, where I am. You know, I have an, I have over an, I have roughly an acre or so of land, and our house would probably sell for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Got trees on it, lots of lawn, garden space, and you're talking about in many cases. You know, I've been to your house. You you do you have done wonders with that place, but it's still by Midwestern standards quite small. In terms of your property, and that's not, that's not in any way meant to offend you. It's just no, the it's nature not. of life and, in Los and Angeles. I, and, and per perspective, when people come to my house, they're blown away. I have a four bedroom, four bathroom, two story house with an in ground pool and a jacuzzi in the city. I'm nine miles from downtown LA, and people come and, to my house and they're like, "Wow, like this is huge!" And because yet it's, it's also in the city, on, and it's also on a, a rather for by Midwestern terms. A smaller plot of land. Yeah, like, the plot of lands. It's 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 not very big, but it is utilized to the. There to is no every yard. square I inch. Yard. Nope. You yeah. You might have what? Maybe three feet of grass. <laughs> I have a I have a twelve by twenty four square of grass next to my pool, and I have two little twelve by you know twelve by twelves in the yeah. front yards of grass. That's it, dude. And you guys in the Midwest, you can you can have you know acres and acres and acres like. And no neighbors. You know how jealous I am? Like, listen, if I didn't marry a city girl, I would have already been gone, you know, but we 
you know, it is what it is. We plan to move to Kentucky that got put on hold with my health and my back and surgeries and everything that's happened and, and losing my job that plans, you know, pushed out. It, it's like I told my wife, we'll stay here for now, but I got to get out of here. I need grass. I need quiet. I want to hear crickets, not helicopters. Uh, I'm exhausted. It's exhausting to me, dude. You know, but I just want everyone in, you know, in the rest of the country that's not from here just to understand our struggles here. Our struggles are rough, man. My grandparents moved here from Oklahoma and Texas in the 50s and bought their houses for like eight grand. Now they're worth 800 grand. That, and that all, is not okay. And all this stands back to Ed's question about, <laughs> about people taking over our stadium. The irony of that is no one said a word a couple of weeks ago when Lambeau Field got taken over by Lions fans. No, we all saw it. But we all saw it. Hey, no the, Steelers, the Steelers got their stadium taken over by the 49ers week one. Yep. Saw that too. Why? Because, you know, Pittsburgh is off. But, I mean, you can get, if you're coming from California to go visit Pittsburgh, it's dirt cheap to go get tickets and hang out in a hotel there. Like, seriously, you could, you could probably go to a, a road game in, in Pittsburgh for close to the price for getting to a home game in San Francisco. Yeah, and what I want people to understand about the landscape here, too, is that I think historically people from, you know, more rural parts of the country hate the city because they they correlate the city with uh, with the opposite um, political views. Right. Democrats, Republicans. I mean, let me just be honest with you guys here. There's a lot more blue collar Republic Republicans and conservatives here than you think. Okay, so don't judge a book by its cover. Right. Like it's it this is this place is a lot different than you think when you come and you see it. There's a lot of down home folks here, blue collar, blue collar people that cannot afford to go to that stadium because Stan Kroenke made it unaffordable. Okay, that's not our fault. There's nothing we could do about that. And Ram fans here are not gonna go broke and take a second mortgage out to go sweat in a five billion dollar stadium with no air conditioning. Okay, I'm sorry, but the Cardinals built a stadium for $455 million in Arizona and opened it in 2007. And it is one of the most comfortable and beautiful experiences you can ever have in an NFL stadium. I'm not going to lie. It's it's top. It's my favorite stadium. You know why? Because it's climate controlled. I run hot. I don't like if it's 80 degrees or above. I'm in a bad mood. Okay, I don't like it. I went to Minnesota and I was walking around in 18 degree weather with shorts and a tank top with Under Armour on and a light jacket. Okay. I run hot. So this Sunday, I'm going to go to SoFi for the first time this year. And the weather follows me like a black cloud. And it's going to go from, you know, 76 all the way in Inglewood to be 84 on Sunday, which is going to feel like 94. And I'm going to tailgate and sweat and go in the stadium and be in a greenhouse because they thought it was a brilliant idea to put a piece of glass over us. And that was a real brilliant move, by the way. I'm sorry, but it's frustrating because, like I said, you, you go broke trying to go to a football game and then you're not physically comfortable either. That's not okay. Eventually, if enough people complain, they'll close that up and put some air conditioning in there. Because it's not, I mean, it's an open air stadium with a canopy, but they could close it. You know, it won't cost that much money to close it, but they're not going to do it if people just keep going there and and spending all their money and maxing out their credit cards to, you know, go be uncomfortable. And everyone's always fighting because they're so hot and drunk that they just lose it. People are losing it out there. That Bills game last year was an absolute nightmare. And moving forward, like, I'm not going to any more games in September, October. I'm done. I'll go in November and December. People like me will hold the line. But if there's not enough of us, change will never happen. Consumers in this country and in the world control the narrative. And until consumers start standing up for their rights, they're always going to get railroaded. Simple as that. I'm going to hold the line. I'm done. I'm not going there and sweating. I'm done. All right. And and by the way, I've been there and I was there on a night with a chill. And it wasn't just chilly. It was 
Pretty cold. And, and SoFi is beautiful, but your the greenhouse effect is real. Yeah, you it came in November. You came yeah, closer came to Thanksgiving. November. That's when it's nice. And, and believe me, let me tell you this. The NFC Championship in the Super Bowl run was in January. Um, it was hotter than heck that day at the tailgate. Okay, so it's not just because it's wintertime, it's cold in California. No, a heat wave will come in January and ruin your day. You know, so it's it's very unpredictable here. And, you know, I don't want to go off on a rant and, and light it up, but you got to understand when I signed up for season tickets in 2018, before the two years before the stadium even was built, they they blew a lot of smoke up our butts. And when the stadium was built and I got in there and I was staring into the sun and they told us the home side was not going to be staring in the sun and the Chargers got the better sideline, instantly pissed me off. And I was like, why are you so mad? This is beautiful. This is this. this. No, no, no. You're being a cuck, dude. I'm not going to sit here and just be like, oh, Rams, take my money. I'm not one of those fans. My money comes with conditions. You're, you told me I wasn't going to be staring into the sun, and I was. And you give the, you give the, the renters the home sideline in the shade? Nah, man. I don't care how rich you guys are. You're dumb for building that and, and making the owners of the stadium sit in the sun. Not cool. Well, I, I would also just want to point this out as well. Um, there's a football game on Sunday. Yeah. See, you got me going off. And now the, now the listeners be like, damn, you got Tommy all pissed off, ranting about the heat and this and that. Listen, I'm sorry, guys. If you can blame Derek on that one, we're going to move on. <laughs> Derek so loves gonna... to poke the bear. He knows me. Well, I mean, Ed poked the bear a little bit this time. I just, but. I mean, it is one thing I do actually want to point out, and you've talked about, we mentioned it in the interview that too, is, is that for years, Rams fans were used to going out to, you know, hang out in a sports bar and so on and so forth. And they're not afraid to go do it again. You know, if you're being priced out of something, you know, you, you can just as easily go to B-dubs and watch the Rams game with better food and a bunch of friends and enjoy it. And I think sometimes, the endless need for cash um, over overtook you no know, thinking about the fans who are like that. But the culture in LA has long been with the Rams. Listen, we did it for 22 years. We could always go back to B dubs. We could always go back to our sports bar and watch our teams there. Yep. And people here, well, put people here cannot be bought and paid for like that. You know what I mean? Like people here. Because we 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 cherish our money because of how expensive it is, and now the inflation is out of control. We will tell you now nah, we're good. Now nah, we're good. We'll just stay home. That's how we are, dude. We're stubborn like that. We don't care. We're not going to let you. We got plenty of other things we could do. We're not going to put up with it. All right. So hey, call the game, man. We <laughs> I, I got go. the fans winning this one. What do you, what do you think? All right. Me too. I think, uh, you know, this is a game that Sean McVay is going to get excited about because we know he loves to throw the ball, right? Although he um, might not be coaching on Sunday. He might not. He Watch might not be because, th- yes, he, he, they said, you know, it could be any game. Um, I, I made a joke about it um, earlier today. I said, if he does whatever game he doesn't coach, we're going to run the ball 40 times. <laughs> <laughs> Mike LaFleur is going to be in charge of the play calling. He's going to run the ball 40 times just to say, I told you so. We can do this. Um, last week against the Eagles, we were averaging, you know, Kyron Williams was averaging 4.1 yards a carry, which is great. You only need 3.5 yards a carry to get first downs. It's simple math. Okay. And he only got 13 attempts for 53 yards. That's criminal. Um, criminal. And they were in, in the game, opinion. the whole freaking game. Yeah, absolutely. But we won't go back to that. I know you guys covered that. I couldn't do the show this week. But uh, yeah, they need to, this week, they need to sling it. But they need to be creative because you can't just say we're going to throw the ball. You're going to give the defense the ability to tee off on you. And you don't want that. Matthew Stafford has been hit way too many times this season already because of game planning. Okay, And we need to protect him because without him, this team is done. We all know that. We go as Stafford and Aaron Donald go, okay? That simple as that. And our offensive line health, we all know that. Um, but we absolutely have the opportunity for the first time this season to have home field advantage. Players are going to love that. I'm sure they're getting sick and tired of uh, 
you know, silent counts because the Niners and Eagle fans just do what they do and only have to purchase one game. So they don't mind spending a thousand dollars a ticket when we're going to go. Yeah, no, we're staying home. We're good. Sorry. Home field advantage. Whatever. (laughs) Not my problem. But yeah, we're winning this game for sure. This team, because they're a division opponent, I don't care that they beat the Cowboys. I don't care that they're in games against non-divisional opponents. The Rams have the Arizona Cardinals number. They just do. I don't care that we have a bunch of new players on our team. These kids are playing a lot better than they thought they were. Our secondary is playing phenomenal, um, other than some boneheaded uh, mistakes here and there. But they're playing a lot better than I thought they would, top to bottom on both sides of the ball. So I don't see, barring any um, health issues, that we lose this game. I just don't. There we go. And I agree. So hopefully we're not in our words on Sunday night. In the meantime, we're out of here. You know where to follow us. And if you really love Tommy's rant, we got more coming, I'm sure. Follow us on talk on Twitter at TalkRamsX. Follow me on Twitter. Talk. Yeah, I'm lost. Well, I'm done. It's Friday night. Let's go watch him wrestling, Tommy. <laughs> Let's I, I do just, it. I can't finish it. We're out of here. <laughs>